we didn't choose to be Brazilians, but we all choose to be Australians. So I think there is something important to say as well. We, we're here because we love it and bringing people together by the food. I think that's the most important thing. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Brazil is a force when it comes to football, but it's just as electrifying from a culinary standpoint. We aren't exposed to much Brazilian food down under, but some chefs have made it their mission to share the joy of their homeland. Rodrigo de Valle is the chef de cuisine at Crown Melbourne and a culinary consultant to the Brazilian Embassies Project, Brazilian Chefs in Australia. Rodrigo, how are you? Hello, how are you? Uh, fi- finally, uh, so good to meet you. I hear the podcast all the time. I'm addictive and uh, <laughs> very happy to be here with you guys. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's an honor to have you on the show. Fascinated just to learn more about Brazilian food and your, you know, big part of that messaging here in Australia, working with the with the embassy about Brazilian chefs in Australia. Um, tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, it was just a very good opportunity because uh, when the lockdown started, I launched a little podcast. And in that podcast, I was just talking to Brazilian chefs in Brazil because probably three years ago, the podcast, the way that we do now, just with the voice and the audio, we didn't have anything in Brazil. And then I was so lucky to hear one of your podcasts with a friend of mine. Uh, His name is Nick. He's in Tassi. We worked together in Sydney for for a long time. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Let's let's just do something with Brazilian. I will speak Portuguese, but I don't know where, where I'm gonna get to. And then someone from the consulate in Brazil, the general consulate Brazil, Australia, uh, in Sydney here, and got in contact with me and then uh, asked me to develop a little project with a video, three minutes video with uh, Brazilian recipes, something very easy that someone could do at home as well, and to collect some chefs, people that I know, friend of mine, and so on. So now is the second year. We're very happy to do uh, the project. Uh, we have a few very good chefs, few Brazilian chefs that works in Sassuia. Uh, we had uh, someone that worked with uh, Karim Martini uh, and so on. Yeah, the, the project doing very well. Uh, is, a, is a project that all the embassies around the world is looking at at the moment because it's a very low cost and uh, a lot of years, as you, as you know, now with the Instagram and uh, YouTube. So, yeah, very good to do something here in Australia, you know, to showcase the culture a little bit, some some ingredients that we can import from Brazil and even Brazilian ingredients that we can find in Australia. Everybody knows the acai, the guaraná, the Brazilian, the Brazilian nuts. Well, you're very much uh, a part of the culinary landscape here. How has it made you feel um, being part of this project to celebrate uh, Brazilian chefs and Brazilian food? Well, we're very glad because it's the first time that the government uh, invited us to do something about the, the, the Brazilian food um, in Australia, actually. Uh, there is few things happening in, in Europe and uh, in America. There's a lot of uh, uh, Brazilian influence uh, in the food, in the community. 
but in Australia we don't see much so we thought that would be a good opportunity because the Brazilian community in Australia is over 40,000 people here so and you don't see much of Brazilian restaurants around the corner like you see the Thai food the Vietnamese the Italian so we just thought that would be a time that you know we need to we need to come to the surface and show that we have the food as well in Brazil and we miss the food as well that we cannot find here and it's time for us to start cooking besides the barbecue. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about Brazilian food. I know it's very vast and has incredible depth, but um, share some of your sort of favorite ingredients and, and dishes perhaps that people may not know about. Yeah, so I think the Brazilian food started being developed uh, when the Portuguese took over and, and discovered Brazil in the 15th centuries. So we have a little bit of uh, Portuguese, so there is a fresh fish, uh, we do use a lot of oil, so we do use a lot of olive oil, very fresh ingredients because, yes or no, the country, the majority, is, the weather is so hot. Uh, on the north, we have a lot of uh, chilies and spices and a lot of influence from the, the slaves, the Africans that came from Africa when the Portuguese uh, took Brazil as a colon. Uh, half of the Brazil, you should be a Spanish colon too, so they divided Brazil in half. So we do have a lot of a Spanish uh, background in food. Uh, the farmers... The, the, the things that they do in a regional is just, just amazing. So the wine that people produce that they learn in Europe for generations and generations ago, uh, it's just great. And the feijoada, the feijoada probably is the king of the, the king of the Sunday at home besides the barbecue, uh, which is a black, black bean stew, uh, where they used to use the leftovers from, from the, from the pork. Uh, from the farmers on the 15th centuries when they always lives and it's still on the table uh, probably every Sunday every Brazilian family they we, we do feijoada at home yeah it's, a, it's very popular in Brazil and if you go to a Brazilian restaurant I'm pretty sure it's on the menu it's just a black stew with a lot of uh, uh, off cuts of bacon and pork and ears and it's, it's from the nose to toe so it's everything <laughs> well, take us back to when you were young and in Brazil. What sort of role did food play in your family? Uh, I guess in Brazil, well, let's say 30 years ago, 35 years ago, the restaurants wasn't a big thing. We, the, the fine dining didn't exist. It uh, was more about uh, big festivals, people sharing food around or cooking the whole cow on the spit and like cooking whole animals. Wasn't much about steaks and grills and uh, fillets of fish. So I remember doing Christmas and New Year's and you know, my mom and my grandmother and usually years ago who usually look after the kitchen was only woman in Brazil as well. Things change a lot from, from now. So I remember they making like just beautiful f feast and so many cuts of uh, 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 meat, uh, birds, and fresh fruits, and a lot, a lot of desserts. Everything from the colon, so everything, all the rest was pretty old and rustic. So that's what I have in my in my head, like sharing with the family and Christmas and the New Year's night, uh, which which is pretty amazing. Because when I do menus today's and people ask me for sharing, that that's pretty easy for me. Is right away I can come up with something five minutes because I will. I 
was born doing sharing with the family on a table. We never used to do like a la carte or things like that in restaurants. It was pretty rare. What lured you to a career in hospitality? Um, I, I was doing a marketing in Brazil when I was 19. Uh, marketing and then I turned my 20, 23 and then I felt that uh, I have to, to go abroad to study English or to try to do a second university because uh, it was pretty hard to find a good job in Brazil back in the days. Uh, I think it still it is anyway. So I went to New Zealand and uh, I had a few friends. We used to play water polo together in the a, in a clubs in Brazil, in a university. And they said, oh, we all going to New Zealand. You want to come? come along and then, you know, go do your school, uh, try to do a, a master degree or something. And then I, that was a, just a time of my life that I have nothing hold me back in Brazil. Uh, my whole family is still there. And then we went to New Zealand. I couldn't speak a word in English. It was really hard for me in the first probably four days. And the easiest way for me to make some money probably was washing dishes. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's honestly that's how we started in in Auckland. Uh, I'll never forget. Was uh, g different times back there, like wor working on the weekends in Brazil. Like hardly we work on the weekends. We do Monday to Friday, and then was the first time that I got in touch with food. That was almost twenty years ago. Uh, cooking food, making desserts. That was the the jobs from for the kitchen hands over there. Uh, yeah, that that's how everything started. Do you have any stories of your first steps into the cooking aspect and in restaurants and when you decided that was the direction you'd take? Yeah, so after New Zealand, uh, we came to Australia, uh, Sydney, um, and then looking for a job. And then I was really happy to have someone that be believed me and look after me when I was there, a chef. Uh, her name is Elise. And that was down in Dali Harbour because uh, in probably in 2005, 2006, that was the hot point. There was so many restaurants, a thousand people every single night. And I started washing dishes over there and she, she saw something on me and she started teaching me slowly, slowly. Uh, and then I started looking after the breakfast. I started studying uh, culinary. I done my certificate three and my diploma. And slowly just taking after, chef of the party, uh, junior sous and so on. Uh, yeah, but pretty much was learning how to do breakfast in the morning, try to learn everything that I could in English, all the ingredients, uh, doing the Christmas. I, I always was up to do Christmas and New Year's because I had no one here, no family. So when nobody wanted to work, I was the only one to put my hand up. So I think that's that's how everything started and I had a, probably more opportunities than anybody else. You spent a lot of time in, in Sydney. What, what were some of the really important venues and, and people that you worked with that helped sort of carve your path? I think highlights in Sydney was to work along Luke Megan. Uh, he was one of the guys that I always want to work with. I was in love with his food and the books. I remember to start working over there and I knew half of the recipes because I used to read his book every single day, especially Salt. Um, and that was pretty amazing to see Joe Pavlovich on a pass and work along him, uh, working on his specials and see what what actually a celebrity chef does. And we think he's all the TV and the cookbooks, but when you see the guy running nine restaurants around the world, 
you change your perspective of what actually is hard work and what you need to do to get there. So that was pretty amazing. Um, probably another one would be be at the grounds when the grounds was actually one of the 10 destinations in Sydney. You never imagined a cafe they started with just a takeaway coffee would end up to be one of the 10 most points uh, one of one of the 10 most visit places in, in Australia so that was a good thing to see to do 100 people a day to jump to 4000 on a Sunday uh, doing the ordering was just crazy like everything is in pilots uh, you see the trucks coming through on a Friday you gotta be scared because you think oh I think I've done a mistake I order extra but actually <laughs> by Sunday afternoon you you might be running out in food pretty quickly <laughs> You mentioned uh, Luke Mangan and, and Joe Pavlovich and, and working at Glass Brasserie. Do you, do you have any stories from, from that kitchen? Such a busy place in the centre of Sydney. Um, and what it was like to work with Luke? Uh, such inspiration. Uh, what a man, what a myth. Uh, things he used to come and tell us in the kitchen and cooking with us on a Saturday night. Uh, he was always on the pass supporting Joe. Um, just to see the people come around the chef's table, his specials. I think I think the highlight was to see Joe and and Luke develop the empire and taking over the ships, Bali, Japan. Uh, to see the boys traveling to Maldives, like you know, we traveling everywhere to help and supporting the team and so many students. We had so many people doing stages back in the day at Hilton Hotel. So staff meal was always something different. People cooking food around the world. Uh, people wanted to be in the kitchen back in the days. It was, was funny. People arguing to, to get the stages, to get more ships, just to be in the kitchen with us. It was just a good thing to see and having my paws, you know, very close to my heart actually at the time. These days you're in Melbourne. What led to the move down there? Um, Melbourne was happened because my wife uh, she she took a job in Mel uh, in Melbourne at Hilton. She's one of she was one of the F and B managers at, at Hilton. She been Hilton for so many years, and we came down and I, I came down with her and got a job pretty quickly, and then um, yeah, got a job with uh, with Elsa which was uh, contact the, the, the look did with me and uh, stay with Ezra for a while, which was uh, as well another amazing experience working with someone like him. T. Gazard's food is a little different to Luke's. Um, tell us about the experiences you had working with him. As a, I saw as a, I think he, he was running only the Ginger Boy uh, back in the day and he wanted to do something about retail and go to the to the to the big markets develop his amazing products and sources that he has um we done as well that was all in lockdown so we done all the packaging we learned together how to do his food you know his amazing food in, in the boxes and to be delivery at home uh the businessman, uh, you know, the charm and the creativity that I saw every single day with the man on the on on high and in the lows, you know, when we're about to open and when we're about to close again in Melbourne uh, from, the, from the lockdown. Uh, 
uh, to see the point of view and, and how smart he was to change the dates, to change the products, to find the new suppliers uh, was was just great. I, I I have no doubt that probably one of the the greatest chefs that that ever that ever walk walk in Melbourne. Uh, I spoke to him my last day when we when we finished the business about the the, the lockdown and the retails and and it was just so good to to be with him to to speak and work next to him every single day for almost I believe almost two years. Uh, to be his corporate head chef and, and to develop the ideas and to hear the stories, the stories that he tell about the Hong Kong and how he wrote the books. He showed me the places that he took the photos and developed the recipes, uh, how he created as how he created the black, the amazing steakhouse that he used to have in, in casino in Sydney and where the ideas came from. And he write downs everything, like everything is on a computer, everything is on a spreadsheet. He has recipes like really, really old and, and, and how he developed the books it was just amazing to see. And, and, then, and then again, you see the difference like with someone that got the talent and, and the hard work they put behind the, the TV shows and the, and the cookbooks is, is just in another level that period of time was challenging for everyone and you moved states and got a new role what, what's the last couple of years been like for you um after the lockdown um straight away i jumped to crown um which which is great and where i am at the moment i'm i'm so glad to be there the the culinary and the pop-ups that we do now we hold the ministry of crab and we we done with an Alejandro from Farmers Daughters and the, the opportunities that Crown creates is, is just great. If you're a chef and if you want to have a long stead career, I'll definitely say the Crown probably one of the best things I, I ever done for myself and the support that we have for F&B, F&B directors is just great. But the, yeah, the last years was, was a bit crazy uh, besides probably our years Melbourne being steady now, but the lockdowns and I had to do some of the hotels, the the um, the hotels for the for the people that came from the flights too. I done for a year as well before before working with ESA uh, to not know where we're gonna go and to not know where we are and what the virus will turn to. I think we end up doing really well for all of us. Uh, very uncertain, but. You know, I was very glad to be a chef because I, I could have a job at all the time and I never miss anything at home and, you know, we could buy things and make sure the money is still coming. The, there was a chef career that actually saved me. So I was really glad when I walked into to New Zealand and find a job in, in the kitchen, actually, back in the days. These days you chef to cuisine at Crown Melbourne. What, what does the role entail and what, Tell us about the scope of it. Well, I look after the South Bank area. So I look after the Meruel. So there is the Meruel Dining, the Meruel Burger Bar, which is a really, really busy venue. And uh, I look after the, the pub in the corner, the, the giant pub that covers all the corner. Uh, we're looking after the VRC now, so the Victoria Racing. Uh, today, you know, the, the Melbourne Cup happening. So it's more than 100,000 people visiting VRC we have more than 100 outlets over there. 
it's just uh, it's just fine burgers and fine dining out the door. Uh, yeah, so I've been involved with both both of the projects, so the South Bank of Crown, uh, as long as the VRC as well. Tell us a bit about the the challenges of, of the role with, with such a huge sort of offering and things to look look after. What what are some of the challenges that you're facing? Uh, I believe challenge would be. Uh, I think chefs now, uh, fine chefs, prob- probably all around the world, hard to find chefs. But I do believe that now is very critical, uh, especially with the doors. The you know people from overseas was was really hard to get to Australia probably six months ago, and now the doors are open. People are coming, chefs, the Europeans are coming back. Uh, I think we find it a way out. As Crown, we offer a lot of. Um, courses and we do have a lot of perks and you know uh, staff meals uniforms and chef's knife shoes uh, we do a lot of courses so i think for us it's not so hard to find chefs but i see people friend of uh, of, of mine in the industry really suffering um overall my role developing all the the, the menus i'm looking off the you know i could travel the world and see a lot of things work with a lot of great chefs and collected a, a, a very large uh, cookbook uh, shelf and I have a lot to take from but definitely no ideas from for menus in such a speed and find a great chef to, to work together to build the be great I think probably will be the biggest challenges Tell me a little bit about your cooking. You have grew up in Brazil and very passionate about Brazilian ingredients and food and have trained in, in Australia and worked your way up. Um, what, what is your food ethos and, and style? Uh, well, I, I can't take it away the, the rustic uh, point of view from my, from my ideas and the, sh- the sharing style. Wherever I go, I try to, to, to take the sharing style with me. Uh, at the grounds, we we did a absolutely amazing job on the functions, developing all the menus should be sharing. So I think I take a lot of from 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 the grounds what what I learn and what I could experience over there and things that we try. So even with Eza doing the banquets, we all about the sharing, uh, and now a crown, a very strong. Uh, part of the menu is the different tastes and textures, uh, different ingredients, the using you know fermentations and acids. Um, we, we I do try to put some input uh, on Brazilian flavors, but in Australia we're still not there. People not really familiar, but I do use the tamarind paste, you know, the black beans, uh, the way that we cook the pork on our own master stock. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I try the best as I can, but I know the limitations on on Australian flavor and how the people don't like the food here so salty. In Brazil, we, we eat very with a lot of salt and we use a lot of rock salt and here not so much. You mentioned that there's ingredients that you can't get here, but there's some that, that you can. Um, tell us a bit about sort of what can be used here and perhaps some, some dishes that people could create um, inspired by Brazilian food? I think uh, I think people don't know, but the cassava is Brazilian. So the, the cassava 
you know, that was founded by the Brazilian Indians, the, the natives. Um, cassava is great if you boil and then and you quickly deep fry. Uh, I, I find cassava is perfect to, to, to follow a steak tatar with a nice kangaroo, venison, or even a beef steak tatar and uh, falling with the cassava on the side. So you can you know, just, just put the, the, the steak on top of the cassava and have it together. Cassava, I think, is a great food for pubs and probably snacks. Uh, combines with any oil, uh, any spices when you toast it after deep fry. Um, I would say the Brazilian nuts, great for desserts as well. And great to use on on a mandolin and on a micro plan to finish dishes uh, the acai if you you know if you ever uh, if you if you guys go love it you go to the gym acai is a great uh, uh, post workout uh, everybody in brazil after the gym have a acai at home or on the bar with the friends so i would say the acai the brazilian nuts and definitely the cassava would be the the, the most popular now in, in Australia. You've been uh, working on the project with the Brazilian embassy and interviewing chefs from Brazil. Is it a, take us on that journey. Were there things that uh, you didn't know that you've discovered that you can sort of share with us as well on that journey that you went on? Yeah, uh, well, uh, the, the podcast that I do called uh, Feijoada Cast, um, what, what I really want to do was really go deep in people's uh, people's beliefs and the backgrounds and how they how they develop themselves into the food uh, was was just good to see that every single chef uh, n- there is no one out of the list that the passion for the the passion for the food start when they're young and kids uh, everybody talk about the gramada when they used to do the pasta and drop on the floor and eating raw dough from the mom or was was just amazing to see that everything and everybody that has a relationship with food is has memories from their childhood um, the connections and the people that I met as uh, Janaina Rueda is one of the uh, top female chefs in the world uh, Alex Atala chef Paulo Machado the Brazil ambassadors for the food, everything through uh, all this connection that I done for a little idea and from my phone at home, you know, hiding in my room, trying to connect with these people, and suddenly we developed the the project with the embassy, and was was just great to see the things that happened in the last two years and all around it, and everybody that got involved. Uh, we pretend the next year to do food events and in Sydney probably to showcase the Brazilian food besides the, the world famous barbecue. It's just a little idea that I had in a rainy day on a, in a lockdown and, and turning to OGs and actually changing people's life and uh, improving people's network and people change jobs because they met the people from the, from the project and, and things like that. And today I met over probably a probably over over a hundred chefs in Brazil uh, through through my phone and doing little interviews and conversations. So that was just something very good to see and and uh, that showed the little ideas. But you know, if you put a thing together, have a little bit thinking and things that you want to do, develop a little brand, you you can make it. 
you came over to this part of the world to learn English and you detoured into the hospitality sector. What do friends and family back home think about you now as, a, as an ambassador for Brazilian food in Australia? Oh, mum. Mum is very proud. <laughs> Probably mum is the biggest fan. Um, I tell her these stories and people that I met and I say, mom, next week we're going to talk to the chef. And she's like, oh my God, I've seen the chef my whole life in the TV and now you're talking to them. And and, and the, in the end of the day, what I'm most happy of is doing the good for people that sometimes cook in the kitchen, going home without the family and not knowing where the future can take it. Uh, looking for a visa and trying to make it in Australia, have a family and just bring something like the project that, you know, inspire and you have to look for a recipe and you get people together and you meet another chefs and you develop something and suddenly everybody knows you in Brazil that you belong to a project that make all of us proud and trying to put our footprint, our food footprint in Australia uh, done by, you know, for example, Rodrigo from Maguil, the head chef in Maguil Estates in Penfo is one of them. Uh, Diego Rosales, that was Vicari Martini as well. I mean, we are here. There's a lot of Brazilians in the kitchens that, you know, we all go for, for lunches and dinners and the fine diners around Australia. Uh, and put these people together and have a sense of belong, I think is incredible. Do you see uh, yourself with a Brazilian-inspired restaurant in Australia down the track? Oh, love to. Uh, we just trying to do something that is not actually a barbecue. Uh, to have the smell of barbecue on you every single night when you come home uh, is is not easy. But um, yeah, I'll love to do and bring the food, Brazilian food, to another level. Let's not say a fine dining, but definitely a sharing concept where we can definitely highlight the the ingredients and try to get a few things fresh from, from Brazil. Uh, there's a lot of uh, companies that import food from Brazil as well, and uh, even frozen and fresh ingredients, which both are great. Uh, that, would, that would be a dream come true. If not me, probably somebody else. But it would be great to see a good Brazilian restaurant running and showing case and like the Filipinos, you know, the Philippine people do now at the moment, the Thai, the Italian. Uh, yeah, that, that would be probably the next step and would be a, another dream come true too as well. Well, you're doing amazing things uh, with Brazilian food and obviously looking forward to the events that may happen next year as well. What do you love about what you do? Uh, what I love about what I do is uh, I remember when I started here uh, in Australia when I came and was so difficult to to connect with 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 Brazilian people. We didn't have a, the, I think no Facebook at that time, uh, no Instagram, and together people the community together was quite of a challenge. And today to see. Uh, the, the connection and the ideas that, that, that we share on the groups uh, about the, the project and the things that we actually can achieve because now we all connected is, is a very good thing to see. And we definitely have a lot to give back to the, to, to the Australian community as well because 
we 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 didn't choose to be Brazilians, but we all choose to be Australians. So I think there is something important to say as well. We we here because we love it. We do miss the the food at home, of course, and a little bit of our 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 culture. But we definitely are here because there was probably the greatest uh, the greatest choices that that we done for us and our family as well. Uh, bring people together, bring the community together, and that de- and definitely and definitely developing the, the the food and and bringing people together by the food. I think that's the most important thing. Well, it's amazing what you're doing, Rodrigo, and it's an honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank thank you so much, you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the project. Uh, yes, let's keep in touch. Thank you. Have a good day. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.